0: Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.
1: Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, The Talk of Wrestling. I'm your host, Brian Ferguson. My guest today is the owner and promoter of the United States Wrestling, United, excuse me, Wrestling Network and the owner and CEO of David Marquez Productions. He has worked with many pro wrestling talents of past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you, Mr. David Marquez. David, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be on Bumps and Thumps.
2: Thanks for having me, man.
1: My pleasure. You know, you've been doing a lot of work here. Uh, I've been following you on Facebook and, 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 and Twitter, and you've been, you've been pretty busy.
2: I've been busy for over 30 years. <laughs> it hasn't stopped.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, I've, I've followed you. I went back a little bit and did some, uh, research and things, but, uh, first I'd like to get into, you know, how you grew up, uh, where you grew up and, uh, if you, any schooling or things like that. So let's talk about how, where you grew up at.
2: Yeah. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and I knew this was going to happen.
1: That's okay. Um,
2: in Southern California and uh, uh you know in and around the industry town. I um uh come from a Hispanic family, um uh Puerto Rican family actually and uh uh just uh you know I was just a regular kid. My interests were um uh entertainment early on um and, uh, as early as I can remember, um, yeah. and, uh, always looked up to people like Walt Disney and Jim Henson and, uh, uh, Fred Rogers and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. people who I would think are good people. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and, uh, so they're pretty good role models to, uh, kind of, uh, uh, look at, uh, have to make them your pinup fellas on the wall <laughs> yeah. versus cars or anything else <laughs> I think some people thought I was weird uh, in in the beginning like most pe- creative people's stories that you hear but um, but yeah uh, uh, I wanted to be an animator uh, growing up uh, uh, I thought that's where I was going to end up I in my mind I was going to be a, a Walt Disney Studios animator and make uh, feature cartoons and that all changed and probably about junior high when i started hearing about computers and uh, coming into play and i'd never seen a computer i'd never touched a computer we yeah. had you know typewriters in the classroom and um and so that kind of went out the wayside um and then i totally went into video production and um when i was about 14 i guess and um here i am still doing it <laughs>
1: Oh, that's wonderful! Uh, wrestling. So, I've read a little bit. You've been you've been in the business for quite a while. Oh yeah. Um, how did you get started in that? What what brought you to that?
2: It, it's very interesting. I uh, I'm not your traditional wrestling fan. Um, I did not grow up liking wrestling. I didn't necessarily watch wrestling. Um, I uh, 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 was around wrestling because. My grandfather, my dad's dad, sold produce. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he uh, uh, at the end of the weekends after flea markets and whatnot, the leftover kind of bad fruit, he would go to the Olympic auditorium and sell it to the fans. so when you hear stories about people throwing lettuce or or tomatoes or whatever at wrestling, (laughs) uh, he would he would be outside selling that stuff pretty cheap. So I was always (laughs) around it and. And had a lot of opportunity to see the television side of it and and how the operation ran and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, seeing the sort of inner workings as a youngster and realizing it was a show early on, that was my uh, interest in it. I would see it on TV, of course, and uh, in my area, Freddie Blassie and John Tolis and the Guerreros and Roddy Piper you know they were on local television in LA yeah. uh, in the late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. and that's who I saw growing up and um uh so that's how I kind of got involved in wrestling and then uh I lied to get my first television job and it took me all the way to Springfield Missouri ah um, not too far from, from where LA. I live where are you
1: I live in uh, near Bolivar, Missouri. I'm about uh, oh, 30 miles yeah. uh, north of Springfield. Yeah. Well,
2: there, well, there you go. I worked at KYTV. Oh, KY three, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and Color 10, and KSPR. I was at yeah. all those places. Wow. Um, and uh, uh, that's really where I got my TV start. Um, about '93. Uh, um, and uh, <clears throat> and and that's where I got like kind of into wrestling, I guess, as a real profession. Um, because time opened up on on the channel and we did a local wrestling show on my suggestion. And I called it World League Wrestling. And it was with Harley Race and Gordon Solly. Yes. And now it's still around as World mm-hmm. oh, I'm so World Legion Wrestling when I had it. Okay. So World League World League Wrestling now. Yeah. Um and now they're up at uh they're not in Osage Beach. Where are they now? Troy. They're up in uh, Troy, Missouri. That's yep. right. Yeah. Um, And uh, and yeah, so, you know, an L.A. kid ended up in Missouri because back then you couldn't just get a job uh, in television in Los Angeles right out of high school. And I had no experience, but uh, the Ozarks gave me a chance and I guess they didn't really do much research because they sent for me. And uh, (laughs) then they found out quickly I didn't know what I was doing. Um, (laughs) And it was interesting and you'll probably get this is the guy when I got there, his name was Steve Davis, he's the chief engineer. Um, big burly type guy, uh, uh, kind of looked like the brawny man mustache and everything. <laughs> and when I first met him, he was behind the station <laughs> shirt off, and He's like practicing, uh, bowling. Uh, and he was really good at it too. Archery. Yeah. And I would watch, I was watching him from a distance. Like, Holy shit. Look at this guy. <laughs> he He hasn't missed one yet. Then I found out he, you know, he hunts. Uh. And I was like, well, there's the boss. That's the guy I have to deal with.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, at any rate, so that's where, we, that's where I started in wrestling, producing uh, and getting involved. And I hired Harley Race as the booker and Gordon Soley as the announcer and Carl Lauer, yeah. uh, who I had known little bits of from Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, he had a license and he's also well, was still a commissioner for the Athletic Commission in Missouri. Um, and for years, the head of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was my formal training. That's not a bad tree to sit under.
1: <laughs> no, that is interesting because, uh, I just did a podcast, uh, probably three or four months ago with Dan Geyer and, you know, I always used to go to those shows. I used to, when I was in the military, I was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood and I would go sometimes to the shows when they were at, uh, uh by the lake there. Mm -hmm. at lake of the ozarks and then i went a few times when they moved to troy Mm -hmm. a little more of a travel but uh i always put on a great show you know and and uh, i don't think they those a lot of those indie promotions get enough credit for what they do and what they have to work with and as far as resources and things and that's just amazing that you said harley race because he was like I love that guy. He was a fantastic person. I mean, I met him a few times, talked to him and mm-hmm. very down to
2: earth. And yeah, that's just, that's, well, he, he was my business partner. and He believed yeah. in what I had to do uh, and, and what I can do yeah. uh, from a broadcasting perspective. Gordon solely is the one who kind of put it all together and actually got yeah. Harley to participate in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but uh, Harley's wife BJ didn't care for me. <laughs> Um, but, uh, she'd always call me the Flimslam man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, look who you're married to. Like, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, learning that all-star wrestling route that we ended up being on with Harley, uh, from, uh, Southern Illinois, I think what's the town, I think Quincy, Illinois to about. Uh, Jonesboro or Little Rock was our TV coverage. We ended up okay. on. Yeah. We may have peeked into uh, Oklahoma, but I don't think so. We were in Lawrence, uh, mm-hmm. Kansas, and uh, Cape Girardeau, all that, no, the whole thing. So we would right. we would we would travel a lot and do shows. We would work with Frank Reed and Hannibal. We would work with people in Bell. Uh, we had a high school there that did great, um, and uh, they would buy the show from us. That's the we, we don't get that anymore, but, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good time and a great education. And then the WWF and WCW relationships and Memphis and Jerry Jarrett and all that stuff. It was a great, great, great education yeah. for a guy like me.
1: So once you left the Ozarks, I'm assuming you went back to LA. Yeah. And, yeah. And I came
2: back to LA in 99.
1: And then started your own company or how did that work?
2: No, well, no, no, not necessarily. So I was freelancing and doing work for just about everybody in wrestling and television. I was working at ABC News, ABC Sports, um, helped just a tad uh, Corey Macklin with uh, uh, Memphis Wrestling. It was not, I wasn't really involved just here and there from a TV perspective. I would go and see what they were doing at the studio and, and, and how that was being put together. But at WCW, I did a lot of stuff, uh, way, way, way behind the scenes. When I say a lot of stuff, it's not anything anybody would know or care about. (laughs) Um, uh, But Harley got me in there, and Gordon got me in there, and Terry Taylor became a real fan of mine, and I became a huge fan of his from a management standpoint. Um, Little things with WWF um, when they'd come through the area. And uh, when I came back to California after – Uh, I just got tired of being in Missouri. I wanted to come home. Yeah. So so I came home and I immediately went um, back to Disney and uh, uh, went went to Guest Relations at at Disneyland. And the reason I did that was because there's so many different departments Mm -hmm. at Disney that I wanted to end up back at the studio somehow. But uh, I ended up at Disneyland at Guest Relations and I was a tour guide which was quite possibly the best job I could have ever had because yeah. I was touring celebrities and dignitaries and politicians and, you know, showing their, them and their family a, a fantastic time yeah. on behalf of the Walt Disney company that led me to not just meeting fantastic people industry wise, I was uh, being lent out to special events and broadcast services and uh, video communications within Disney. So that took me to Tokyo Disneyland, to shoot video that took oh, me wow. all over the place just to do uh, that. When the angels won the world series, I shot all the internal video. When the ducks went to the Stanley cup, I shot all that video. Wow. So in uh, special events at the parks, anniversaries, new attractions opening. I shot like an awful lot of that video yeah. and, Uh, And then meeting people shooting Michael Eisner, shooting Bob um, Iger, Marty Scalar, Disney legends, like you wouldn't believe, Mm -hmm. um, Dick Van Dyke, uh, uh, Julie Andrews, it goes on and on and on and on. Right. Um, But the the big key to this is Nicholas Cage. And uh, I was his host and tour guide. And uh, with Nick, I ended up working with him for two years at his Saturn films company as a creative executive and, and a development person in movies. So that gave me a whole different perspective. But at the exact same time, backing up a little bit, in '99, late 99, Bruce Pritchard and um, Terry Taylor sent me to Ultimate Pro Wrestling and Rick Bassman. um, And I became their television uh, producer director video because they had a development deal with WWF. And so all the training videos of John Cena and probably 40 other guys and girls who were signed to WWF. That eventually went to OVW.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I shot their entire education and wow. and and, uh, and taught them to do promos. and shot them to work on camera and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, th- 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 then after, even before starting my own company again, uh, I went and I started freelancing because I the the, the full time gig with the WWF kind of uh, expired. And so then I went and started directing the XPW show, which is crazy. I never thought I would be there doing that. Um, and then we're back <laughs> at the Olympic Auditorium doing big shows. Then that led me to other smaller things and establishing Pro Wrestling Guerrilla out here in, in Southern California with that group. Um, a little company called Epic Pro Wrestling. And Kevin Kleinrock became has become a very good, quite possibly a best friend of mine since those days at XPW and we did wrestling society X together at MTV. Um, And then (laughs) the funniest part in all this stuff, I somehow, some way became vice president of international affairs for new Japan pro wrestling. So that meant anything outside of Japan was my jurisdiction. Ah. So if they wanted so if they wanted to do something with WWE, I was the guy who put the deal together. If they wanted to do something with uh, you name it, I was the guy, Mexico, Canada, whatever, anything outside of Japan was my, they called it the international division, which I used, it just used to make me laugh because I was like, that's, it's the world outside of Japan. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in charge of all this. So then I, you know, I, I reestablished what they were doing at the Anoki LA dojo at the time. Mm -hmm. They were on this, the old dojo system of being invited and, paying your dues and in the old way where, you know, I felt it was abuse. I didn't, I didn't care for it. So I changed it completely because no one was here to watch me. And I just kind of opened the door for free. And that's where we got Finn Balor and Alex Kozloff and uh, Samoa Joe and Brian Danielson and uh, Rocky Romero and uh, Carl Anderson and Mikey Nichols from, from Australia and Hartley Jackson and, the the list really does go on and on and on. But yeah. I went out and recruited all these people,
3: yeah. and
2: now they're and now all of those people are modern pro wrestling. Adam yeah. Pierce, I sent him to the Tokyo Dome, all that stuff. So, uh, uh, it was it was really good, and and it's interesting too because during that time, uh, and even going back to Harley, the reason I got even involved in the NWA was because of Harley and Gordon with World Legion Wrestling. That was an NWA territory. I bought right. it from. Ed Schumann uh, in, in Illinois uh, okay. for 500 bucks. Um, and um, then it was ours. And then there's a big hoo-ha over something. And we were kicked out by Howard Brody. Um, and, <laughs> and then I got back into the NWA with New Japan because I found out that they were the uh, holder in uh, uh, Japan still. But, but Zero One was using it, not New Japan. And so I became the proxy to the meetings at that time. That's when, uh, NWA TNA started. And so I was a liaison to them, uh, with, with Ed and a few other people. Um, and then I put the relationship together with new Japan and TNA and, and on and on and on and on and on. But uh, I've had a, I've had a heck of a career.
1: Yeah. 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 You have, uh, I I've noticed now, uh, you worked with a lot of talent. I see a lot of uh, exchanges on Facebook and things like with you and uh, Adam Pierce, yeah. Carl Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how is your relationship still real tight with those guys? I mean, do they, oh, absolutely? I mean, since you have all these, and we'll get into that in a minute too, with your United wrestling network, do you have some outlets? Do they call you say, Hey, we might be needing somebody, you have somebody in mind, or how does that kind of work for you?
2: Nah, they don't call us anymore. Nobody calls us. Um, they, the, the, the big companies have or what I, what I call network wrestling or corporate wrestling. They've, yeah. um, they have uh, created their own intranet system where okay. uh, it's kind of like Facebook and a casting page. Where talent can uh, put their um, their fo- new photos, videos, information, all that stuff
3: yeah.
2: uh, up, and then when they come to an area, they can put, you know, uh, muscular bald guy or 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 fat dumpy guy or whatever, and yeah. use those those terms, and they'll find the talents that they're looking for for casting. So the promoters are really uh, cut out anymore. They don't call us for anything. Um, impact and like ring of honor they're a little more traditional in the way they're ran Mm -hmm. and so they'll they'll contact us for stuff yeah but like you know pierce as much as as much power quote unquote he has Mm -hmm. um uh when he's on television being vince mcmahon he's he's on television being vince mcmahon he is not vince mcmahon right um uh he does have responsibilities there beyond being a tv talent he's still a producer now he he, he just got a, a promotion he's the director of live events which is super oh, wow. awesome yeah um and you know like a guy like carl anderson he's a he's a talent and he likes to be a talent and yeah he doesn't want to be anything else other than a talent
1: <laughs> i uh, i don't i tried to reach out to adam actually he responded but i had to uh he said i have to go through wwe channels
2: and yeah. There was a
1: lot of red tape, so I asked. That's why uh,
2: he's never been on anything we've done since he left. Yeah, I I haven't even. There's a lot of
1: red excuse me, a lot of red tape there. So I, after a couple uh, emails I sent, never got responded. I just let it go at that. Yeah, it happens. It does. You know, I don't. You know, it is what it is. So, with your network now that you have with Memphis, Atlanta. Hollywood, mm-hmm. Arizona. How is that coming along for you? Are you are you seeing some some progress? I know Memphis just opened. I've been watching that with uh, Dustin Starr and his wife. Mm-hmm. It seems like a good. It, it, it's good. I enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and uh, the one in Memphis. I've watched the ones from Hollywood mm-hmm. where you gave up the reins. I saw with a yeah. yeah. broadcaster yeah uh, which i'm sure I'm sure you enjoyed that, but it was probably kind of hard too I would assume because it wasn't hard yourself. at all
2: no, it wasn't hard at all no, no. wasn't that no, it wasn't hard at all um uh, uh, i I think you know people have to put things into perspective. um I put myself on camera at a necessity,
3: mm-hmm. not
2: because I want it to be on camera
3: yeah
2: um and you know it was one less person to pay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and it, w- and it wouldn't be strange for me to, you know, like if, a, if a voiceover needed to happen, you know, yeah. editing at two o'clock in the morning or something and like, oh, we got to do this and find the guy, whoever that person is to do the voiceover at 2 AM to get the tape out in time. So yeah. me doing it, it just was easier because I can just do it and it wouldn't yeah. be strange if I popped up or, or who's this guy type of a thing. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah i never wanted to be on camera that was never a thing in my mind i was just going to be you know a producer director writer animator whatever yeah um, but no that was easy to 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 turn that over even turning the show over to Nick Bonano, who is the executive producer of the show now,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because I went on to do other, I had so many other responsibilities of yeah. uh, running the whole thing. So now Nick Bonanno and Aaron Stevens run the Hollywood program. Uh, Aaron ah. Stevens has has been the booker uh, since uh, September, I think, or even before that.
1: So is that kind um, of a challenge because he's with the NWA? and No. No, well not good. At all.
2: that's good. No, not no, not at all. I didn't know because um, of scheduling
1: conflicts and things like that.
3: Nah, I didn't know what that'd nah. be
2: no, we, we work around everybody's schedules for sure. That's good. Um but I mean even me when I was on that NWA show, I was still producing the show and was on, yeah. on that show too. So yeah, yeah, we just work around everything. Um and in fact, we were the NWA show for a long time before they had a show. So. That, exactly. <laughs>
1: I I noticed that you when your show I see all these guys that were men and women that were in the nwa Mm -hmm. that are in the nwa that were on your show in hollywood yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah. but but as you asked the the united wrestling network has been around for probably nine years okay and now now it's getting more recognition because i i jump back in to pull the reins and 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 make it into what i feel it should have been from the beginning The reason why there's the United wrestling network is because I lost the rights to the NWA for a second time in a lawsuit. Uh, there's a lawyer who was a part of our organization who found out, figured out a way to sue us and and take it from us. And he did. And so we were all out. And, um, uh, there were so many of us who felt that we can continue without it. And we were correct. Uh, yeah, and we spent so much money on that lawsuit which we just should have just gave it up and walked away from it but um at any rate uh uh you know that's why the united wrestling network happened was mm-hmm. i felt that there were enough promoters that i worked with because we were just our momentum at that time Oh eight, oh nine, oh ten, eleven 010 mm-hmm. 11 was so good yeah adam pierce was the world champion i had sporadic television around the country the production quality was good we were bringing people in from across the country who were other nwa champions we were actually getting something working Mm -hmm. there was always friction in the nwa and all my years in it um and, and i know over the years but i mean my years in it for sure because i think the best term to use for these promoters are wannabes like there were so many people who felt they were good promoters or they had something to offer when they didn't have anything to offer. Yeah. They never promoted shows. They became a member because Dennis Carluzzo in, in 97, 98, sold them a membership for 500 bucks and they were around. And so they felt that through whatever um, uh, uh, hierarchy, hierarchy, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, What's the word when uh, you work somewhere? Seniority. Seniority, So Seniority. So, you know, some of these guys felt because they were there a while, they had, their their voice meant something, even though they did absolutely nothing in wrestling ever. And some of them were warehousing states and like not allowing other people in. And it really was like Continental Congress. Like you couldn't, and nothing would work. Um, yes. and so that's part of how Bruce stark got the NWA was because there was such a division, much like how the country is right now, just politically in real life. Um, the yes. NWA was that forever. So,
0: <laughs> um, VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Phil After, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation.
2: So at any rate, everything was going well, but there were so many in the organization that disliked me and what I was doing because I was the guy in Los Angeles, you know, doing this stuff. And Maybe I you the were the guy that there. was
1: actually doing something and they didn't like it because well, they weren't getting well, what they needed.
2: Well, that's for damn sure. And, you know, I... I put the titles on quality people. We put Bob Trobich in to be our executive director, not just our lawyer. Um, and uh, and Bob sided with me on a lot of things. Now, mind you, Bob and I fought a lot too. I mean, mm-hmm. but Bob, Bob, you know, when we gave him full power, I respected that. I would make mm-hmm. suggestions. Bill Barron would make suggestions. All these people would make suggestions, and uh, not everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. Bob Trobich allowed the almighty Sheik to be the world champion and still the title. And all of us said, don't do it. <laughs> you know, but Bob did it. Um, if you watch the seven levels of hate, we, we told the story. Um, but, uh, but at any rate uh, that the, the organization uh, we lost it, United wrestling network was the thing I came up with in the name. I used the word network because television was the only factor to me. And I felt that TV people would understand the network part Mm -hmm. and uh, which they have since. But in the beginning, the people who did come around the United Wrestling Network, they wanted me to do all the work, you know, everything, sell their TV, get it produced, uh, get it on the air. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm having a hard enough time keeping my show on the air. And so I just kind of gave up on this membership affiliate thing. And then a few years ago, I just kind of grabbed it and said, you know, let's just do like a TV station or like a McDonald's where it's, you know, owned and operated. It's ours. Uh, we are in control. We will work with people, uh, put, give, empower them to do things. So we started in Arizona with Championship Wrestling from Arizona, and that was a huge success. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, we did dabble in other states where it did fail but it didn't fail because of lack of effort. It failed because, you know, lack of interest. So interest from both the television station, not understanding what it is or advertisers thinking that things were less, uh, uh, they, they weren't up to a WWE type standard. And they didn't understand what they were paying for, um, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially in small markets, you know, so, then I kind of rethought about it, and and I had been reaching out to Memphis for years about doing something, and it, it things stars all aligned sort of when I found out Dustin Starr was a wrestler, which I didn't know at the time, and he was already on the air on CW thirty. He was he and his wife were the on air hosts, giving away contests and all that stuff on air, and it took us. I mean, we've been on the air for three years now, going on four, I think. But mm-hmm. to get on the air, it took us two years prior to that to get the station to say yes. Wow. And what we did was I, I just kind of reorchestrated what we did were more of a WWF model of a prime t- or a I guess you could say primetime wrestling or all American wrestling type of a format where we had a studio host mm-hmm. and we syndicated the same matches that everybody else saw. And my idea was putting local advertising money into the show, showing the Hollywood matches and the United wrestling network matches. And when you watch, if you watch like the second year of Memphis, Mm -hmm. we kind of dropped the Hollywood part altogether. It's championship wrestling. And we started pushing United wrestling network just to see what the public would, how they would take to it. Mm -hmm. And it took on very well. Then throughout the pandemic, we stayed on the air, um, and then the station came to us and asked us to do local matches, which which was the goal. Yeah. That's what we wanted. Yeah. And so now uh, Championship Wrestling for Memphis is its official name. Yeah. And it's on CW30 Saturdays at noon or on YouTube. Um, yeah. You can join in the fun, and uh, it's a it's a huge success both financially and critically. And I'm very happy with that. And that has now led us into doing more original things like. Well, Primetime Live was a pay-per-view series that we did, a limited series that was very good.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then now a championship wrestling from Atlanta with Peachtree TV, which is the original Channel 17 WTBS. There, uh,
1: we just learned something and, new today. There you go.
2: And they're, and they're putting us on at a beautiful time. Usually, you know, when we get on the TV, they'll put us on, you know, on a weekend morning or bury us at mm. one or two in the morning ring of yeah. honor they own those stations and they still stick them on at one or two in the morning yeah these folks in atlanta are putting us, putting us on saturday nights at 10 o'clock oh wow uh you're telling me so that's great i am so ecstatic and um d- depending on when this is going to run when is this going to run uh, this uh, it'll be, it'll
1: be- probably tomorrow it'll be, to be okay, on a
2: billion okay okay well then i can't say it just yet but okay uh, the, <laughs> venue, the venue we have we'll be announcing is beyond perfect and beautiful all right and uh, and i hope not just the people but Atlanta will be excited but i hope pro wrestling will be excited what we learned with nwa power david lagana and i putting that together we knew nostalgia was going to sell mm-hmm. so if that says anything about atlanta television wrestling that should tell you everything about where we're going to shoot it. <laughs> we right. will be front and center. All
1: right, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, I've been <laughs> watching for it for since I saw it on your Facebook page, yeah. and so I'm looking. And I've forward been to working that. on
2: that for five years too. By the way, a Gosh. lot of people like to say that you know that I'm only doing this to get back at the NWA for not working with me. That's not it at all. Yeah, the, the, the NWA had the opportunity to go on that channel too, because I already had the thing in place and the studio that they shoot power in is the studio I was originally going to shoot in because that was what I had scouted for myself. Yeah. Um, and I gave all of that to, to David Lagana to do the power program.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so, uh, that's not the reason. So whoever's listening to this, you get that out of your head. This is, it has nothing to do with that.
3: Yeah.
2: But I do hope Trevor Murdoch coming up this weekend leaves, Atlanta, the NWA world champion, uh, and beats the shit out of Nick Aldis. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. He deserves you. Know, I saw him uh, when he was in Troy with w, with World League Wrestling. He came back. Uh, he was the world champ, or he was the champion there for know, a year mm-hmm. or two or a sink or something. And I just remember this one match. He had this kid in there, a guy that was this up-and-comer, and just knocked the you-know-what out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt so bad because the kid had welts on his chest from getting slapped so hard. And, you know, people say, well, wrestling's fake. Ah, mm, mm. No, it's not. Now, they know what's going to happen sure. sometime, mo- most of the time. Most uh, but, but, you know, uh, that kid, I saw him at the concession stand later, and he still had his shirt off. He just had welts, and I was just like, uh, he goes, so that's just part of the business. You got to take your lumps. And I was like, yeah, you're a better man than me because you no. Know. <laughs> so,
2: but, I never do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no.
1: no. I want to ask you a, a question. Yeah. Uh, so you've been in the business quite a while. So, yeah. your opinion of wrestling today, now, not your specifically because you're more old school,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but the big ones versus the past your thoughts on the difference or if if there is any in your mind
2: um i mean the only difference that i see uh between the programming that's on tv now versus then and the and the and the types of matches we see is that it's it's pretty assembly line now Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not saying that it's bad the they have evolved i believe uh, rest television wrestling to meet what the current market wants. Yeah. Um. You know the trends of you know now they have to entertain TikTok viewers who you know look at twenty five seconds worth of uh, programming. Yeah. You know and and characters when you think about characters in general.
3: Yeah. Like
2: a lifespan of a, of a character is they go through trends. So yeah. let's say Betty Boop and Popeye. They're not as popular as as something that's on Cartoon Network or or maybe the Disney Channel right now, and they've mm-hmm. gone out of favor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you could even say this about older wrestlers when they would go in and out of territories, yeah. like they they would go they would lose what they had, and they had to move to somewhere else to mm-hmm. to to get something back. You yeah. know and the, the interest back from the public and the magazines to catch up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I just think that it it has changed. And I, I don't want to say for the worst, even though we've lost so many viewers, mm-hmm. and so many things, but the world has also changed, you know, you can't yeah. have, you know, white bread American with a flag out there beating up an, an Iranian person, like you can't do that anymore. Right. Um, that's not acceptable. Um, and, 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 wrestling much like everything that was post-war popular yeah. had nothing, had everything to do with race, you yeah. know, and, and, and so, you know, that I believe that's part of the reason why people have turned it off because what you grew up liking and what might even be who you are as a person,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, is not in your entertainment anymore. Like even even uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra, as close as those guys were, their shtick, their gimmick, their act was nothing but race.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, you can't do that. You can't pick up a black man and say, I want to thank the NAACP for this award. You can't do that today.
3: Yeah.
2: So, um, you know, hey, Dean, you look kind of cold. Yeah, I am. I'm just a wopsicle. Like, you can't say those jokes today. Right. Um, so, you know, that's part of the, I, I believe, and because I'm in it, yeah. that's part of the problem that we as producers have in creating a show that, that is everyone and everything. And even going back to Disney as an example. Like I came up in still in Walt Disney's philosophy of what Disneyland is. There's no facial hair. There's no earrings. There's no tattoos. Your natural hair color, all that stuff. You know, they just started this thing about two months ago. um, An inclusion process that now you can have tattoos. Now you can wear earrings. Now you can have two-tone hair. Now you can have all of that. And it's not 1950s America anymore. Right. So so you know a lot of people have trouble accepting that Mm -hmm. and just like in society in general um but that's a workplace that's a corporation and you have to deal with that same thing with the wwe you know jinder mahal when he came out they really tried desperately to make him this you know hassan guy with a sword and everything and and it just doesn't work and every time you have a mexican-american Uh, or someone with a Mexican background they don't always need to wear a sombrero and wear and ride a lawnmower like so you know so that that's where things are way 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 different and I and and it's difficult and and when you look at like an AEW who really is conscious about inclusion and and they're part of the now generation yeah you'll still see in the viewership there's a loyal you know, 700 to a million plus viewers that will watch that show. Mm-hmm. But anybody probably over the age of 40 will watch that show and say, that's not wrestling. Yeah. I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but, it, but it, is, it, is, it is wrestling now. And, yeah. you, can't, and you, can't, uh, you can't get mad at them. You can't yeah. do anything like that. But, there, but, and, but the popularity of it is going down, 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 down too. Yeah. In, in general, pro wrestling yeah. as a genre. Because when people say wrestling is hot right now, I'm the first one to tell them, no, it's not.
1: <laughs> you would know right it, You're is. The, yeah. it is not. I, I'll tell you my only uh, my only concern is there's a lot of more uh, eye candy, a lot more uh, segments where they're talking and doing things other than in the ring, and I that's the one thing that. Kind of bugs me. I mean, I understand they got to do the interviews and do a few segments and things, but I think there's more of that than there is the actual in-ring action. My opinion.
2: Well, when you have three hours of weekly TV to fill, exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. It used to be. It used to be an hour, you know, unless it was a pay-per-view. Then it go maybe two hours, two and a half. But now it's three hours on television, and then you have a three or four hour pay-per-view and you have to fill Mm -hmm. that time so i i i see your point in that but it's just yeah
2: yeah and even like including influencers like bad bunny uh a huge 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 musical artist right now but if you're over 40 you might not know who that is i didn't know you know like (laughs) yeah and it's like and people are offended by it i was like okay so imagine your grandparents watching you know wwf in 1984 and there's dick clark and 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 Cindy Lopper and it's like mm. well, who who's that person yeah. but to you as a 40 45 year old you're like yeah. oh Cindy Lauper, that was that was the rock and wrestling connection and this yeah. and that and Andy Warhol was there and yeah. you know the uh, the cast of taxi and that's where Andy Kaufman came from yeah. but but it's not cool now because it's not for you you know yeah. and and Good that's point. not cool you can you can't be bad at that you yeah. know just like comedy has evolved You know, unfortunately, I feel comedy should be off limits because, you know, comedy is important Mm -hmm. and it is a reflection on society. And people should be able to say what is truly going on with stereotypes and everything else, because that is comedy. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: And, uh, uh, you know, pro wrestling is is an extension of that. But you really have to, like, do it the right way. And I feel wrestling will always take the low road. <laughs> well, good analogy,
1: yeah. I yeah, I understand that. So today, uh your promotion, everything, who do you think is the hottest or I shouldn't say hot, best wrestler, performer in your oh, eyes? Man,
2: that's so hard right now because I, yeah. we, we work we work with so many people all yeah. over the country, well the yeah. world, you know. Um and I'm not as involved okay. in, in, in the booking process anymore. Um, my job now, I work more as a, as editorial. Okay. So I'll see, I'll see the copy before it goes on the air and I'll make mm-hmm. little changes here and there to the, to the structure of the broadcast. But that rarely happens too. Yeah. Uh, we have, we have this great young man, by the name of jordan cruz on the show who's our uh, heritage champion on the hollywood program who was great okay. um uh, uh he was a marine he's young he's he's hungry he's from new orleans uh great guy um uh there's um uh, there is i think there's there's a sleeper out there too um his name is um adriel noctis Okay. Uh, he's, he's on the Hollywood program too. He comes out wearing a mesh top. Um, he's, he really resembles, uh, to me and talking to him and getting to know him a very, very young Roddy Piper, okay. but he doesn't know, he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> um, um, in the tag team, uh, uh I have a team called um uh, the bodega. and people probably know who Danny Rivera is now because of AEW and New Japan,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: for years he was just on my show. Right. Um, and uh him and Papo Esco and we do the Freebird thing with them with Slice Boogie. Um, you know, Slice Boogie's a Hollywood guy. I know more more people today are probably gonna say he's an NWA guy, but no, he's he's my guy. Um <laughs> Who happens to be on that show? Same thing with Jordan Clearwater, another great kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have tons and tons and tons of people all over yeah. the country. My truest, if I can really, and, and I guess I was just talking Hollywood, but throughout the entire United Wrestling Network right now, the pandemic shut us down during our world title uh, thing. And we were having Mike Bennett go in against Chris Dickinson for the world championship in the finals. And personally, I feel Chris Dickinson is pro wrestling. Oh,
3: okay. I,
2: the man lives it. He breathes it. He loves it. He loves being on the mat. He loves being in the gym. He loves being beat up. He <laughs> loves it. And uh, that's the type of insanity that is missing from professional wrestling. And that's that's what I miss. Yeah. When I see his face light up. But when he comes back through the curtain and he had been in a headlock for 25 minutes or he was like beating the hell out of somebody or he's mm-hmm. scarred up, whatever. And the enjoyment out mm-hmm. of being beat up and making that appearance to the fans, that is incredible. Chris Dickinson is probably the most uh, uh, he you hear about free agents this and that Chris Dickinson is the number one free agent in my mind. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: that's that's it's good to know, see? I got it from the man, the United Wrestling Network owner. So we're going to close it out, David. I appreciate your time and and thank you for all the insight and I really appreciate you. I know you're busy, you've got a lot of things going on, but before we leave, I need to know what are you working on right now? I know you got the thing in Atlanta going. Is there any other projects that you're working on?
2: Sure. I mean, we're working on stuff every day. We do a boxing show for NBC Sportsnet called Ring City USA. That's every other Thursday. We have an MMA show. <laughs> Will you relax? We have an <laughs> MMA show uh, called uh, Lights Out Extreme Fighting that was on Fox Sports Network, which is now called Ballet Sports. Yes. Um, that we, we we ran prior to the pandemic. Uh, Sean Merriman's our partner in that, the football player. Um, okay. We do uh, we do all kinds of things, but from a pro wrestling standpoint, I'm working on getting Primetime Live back as a format, as a 90 minute show. Okay. Uh, the Atlanta program is going to be a big uh, a big thing here going into the future. Uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if I spend most of my time in Atlanta producing this show. Um, and sport, relax, come on, <laughs> and. Um, He is the, he's, he was raised by wrestlers. So if the attention is not on him, he is the toughest guy in the room until you actually have to put him up to something. Uh, He is a total wrestler, a total worker. Um, He won't eat unless I'm standing with him to eat. It's it's the the worst. Um, And then Texas. Okay. I have more, I have more TV affiliates in Texas than anywhere in the country. We're on about 300 outlets across the U S cable, satellite and broadcast stations. Okay. um and uh Texas we have the most I think it's upwards of about 11 or 12 TV stations in Texas.
1: oh wow that's great so
2: it's so now is the opportunity opportune time to make a Texas wrestling show and put it on all those stations take Hollywood yeah. off and fill it with that programming so that we know it's a good state that supports wrestling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It'll have programming to push it, and so we could actually put loops together and live events. Yeah. And go to Louisiana or go into, go into New Mexico, yeah, uh, and then that could feed into Arizona, and like the the routing could actually work. And for your area, I've been working on something in St. Louis, so um, you know we'll see if it, if that all comes together. We're working on oh. something in Portland, and yeah. and I got to say this too, I'm sure. The people have seen the commercials with rick flair and i yeah car shield Shield. yeah car shield is is uh, quite possibly the best broadcast partner i've ever had they will be presenting uh they already present the hollywood show all over the country and Mm they're the title sponsor with um atlanta right now and uh the the campaign we've done with them is is amazing and it's working really well and uh i can't thank carfield and kevin and those guys there enough wow. in supporting what we do uh they're helping us actually get it out there and uh car was actually a st louis company so there you go oh, there you go
1: <laughs> kind of a full circle well yeah. okay david this time we're going to close it out for real thank you so much for coming on here taking the time out of your schedule i look forward uh to the uh continue watching championship wrestling from Memphis and that when it comes into Atlanta, I'm excited about that. And hopefully St. Louis, you know, that'd be, that'd be great. So. Yep. I'd love to be back in Missouri. Yes. So thank you, David. And I want to thank all the fans out there for uh, listening today and we'll be coming back to you soon. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.